0: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
1: Good morning,
2: everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a very special guest and a friend of mine, Dawson Church. Dawson is the award winning author of multiple best selling books. One of them that has been really getting so much attention lately, the genie in your genes, epigenic medicine and the new biology of intention, and most recently, Mind to Matter, the astonishing science of how your brain creates material reality. Now, I know we're going to have a great conversation about this. Welcome, Dawson, to Leading Conversations.
3: Cheryl, a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: It's so great to have you. Now, where are you today?
3: I am based in Petaluma, California, although I do travel all over the world teaching and lecturing and doing workshops. So I am so happy, though, to be enjoying a beautiful early summer day in Petaluma.
2: Oh, yeah, it's really wonderful in Northern California, and I know it is a treasure for you to be home since you travel so much for the good, by the way, and you have been traveling the world, teaching people how to change their lives, and let's talk a little bit about how you actually got to the place where you became so interested in a lot of this alternative medicine approaches and a little bit kind of the, what some people would call the woo-woo of medicine, um, Uh really related to the energy and how it affects our physical being. So let's start, you know, way back as a kid. I mean, were you intrigued by this concept back then or what, what happened?
3: I was, and uh, what is woo-woo today is primary care tomorrow, Cheryl, so... (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) agreed. I I, I remember, like, I learned an energy healing technique called attunement when I was 15 years old, and also I was doing meditation classes, and I was living in in a spiritual community when I was 15 years old, so it was funny because my wife uh, was at Woodstock, and while she was at Woodstock, and she was, like, smoking weed and drinking beer and rocking out with, with <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. There <laughs> so I was in the ashram <laughs> meditating. <laughs> so, so, a
2: marriage so, made in heaven. <laughs>
3: yeah, a yeah, marriage made in heaven. So uh, very different people. But... Um, I, I was intrigued by this, this whole ability of people to heal. I remember watching just one one image that really strikes me of all the healings I saw happen. But there was, uh, there, was there was there was an accident in on a job site, and a nail gun misfired and drove a nail right through somebody's thumb, and so it was in the in the ball of the thumb and out through the middle of the thumbnail. And so there was this big wound, and it was you know, bleeding profusely, and it was you know it was really this. this Big deal, have this this tempenny nail go right through this, this person's thumb. And so we did energy healing, and I literally watched the thumb just completely heal up, like the, the wound closed up, stopped bleeding, turned black and blue, turned pink again, and was done in about 20 minutes. So I, I'd see things like this happen. And then you'd read accounts of extraordinary healers who were doing healings, and, and it became obvious that there was something else that could happen besides the conventional medical model. And so I became intrigued by that. I I trained in that. And then later on, I trained also in gestalt therapy. And I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. But I did a lot of classes in gestalt therapy because I was looking for ways of using the mind to heal things like traumatic stress. I had a lot of stress in my own early childhood. I wanted to heal myself, mm-hmm. as many people in coaching and therapy want to do. And again, with, with Gestalt and with, with, with psychotherapy, I saw a lot of promise. But then, then I got into energy healing. And energy therapy is like emotional freedom techniques and EMDR, somatic experiencing. And what I saw in those kinds of therapies was extremely rapid healing of Really long standing and difficult conditions. And so I helped start something called the Veteran Stress Project about 10 years ago now, where we would offer EFT to veterans with PTSD. I also helped catalyze a number of clinical trials of these therapies for PTSD, and we watched people walk into the clinic with flashbacks nightmares, intrusive thoughts, various other symptoms of PTSD, they would get six one-hour sessions. Now just think about that, just six one-hour sessions Mm. with these advanced therapies. They'd walk out and research shows that in nine out of ten cases, their symptoms were either very diminished or totally gone. So Again, that points to the possibility of these therapies to heal. And I've now been involved in around 100 clinical trials of these therapies and helping bring them into the mainstream. Last year, this culminated in us treating, we've now treated over 20,000 veterans free of charge. And last year, finally, after... Uh, I have testified before Congress twice and all kinds of things to try and make this possible. But finally, last year, we were approved by the Veterans Administration, the VA, as an evidence-based treatment. So um, that's been the trajectory of what I've been focused on doing for the last many years.
2: That's fascinating, and to have the VA, um, the U.S. government, actually support this kind of treatment is uh, phenomenal. Now, do you see that it is prescribed to them? I mean, because you're not doing research now, um, you know, there's no real reason for, for their physicians to say, oh, yes, try this. Um, do you see it's actually being used?
3: There is a big gap between uh, therapy being u- proven in the lab and in clinical trials and being used. I wrote a really landmark right. paper about this <clears throat> a few years back, and Cheryl, get, get these numbers from my paper. These, these numbers are astonishing. Um, this is based on a U.S. government report, and it finds that it takes an average of 17 years, one seven, 17 years, for effective therapies to get from the lab to the patient. So a therapy is proven in lab trials, clinical trials, and then it takes an average of 17 years to get to the patient. And of every 10 therapies that's proven in the lab to be effective or more effective than what we have right now, two of those 10 therapies make it to the patient. The other eight are lost and never implemented. So when you go to hospital now or clinic, you are getting... 20% 20% of the available treatments and the ones you're getting are 17 years old. And I think this is a scandal. I think this is terrible because, I mean, I drive an electric car, you know. Uh, the technology is only a few years old. I, I'm talking to you on a phone where we implement these new technologies on our laptops and our iPads right. and our, 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 our technology is advancing all the time. And yet when it comes to our bodies and our health and our feeling good, we're content with 20% of 17 year old medicine. And so implementation is, is tough. And yeah, you know, these, these things make small strides, but, um, I'm looking as well as the medical, official medical model. I'm really getting stuff into the mainstream, like with my books, Genie in Your Genes, has sold over 100,000 copies, Mind Matter. My goal is to sell over a million copies of that book, and I'm sure that, that that's going to happen. And um, so I want a, a groundswell of veterans walking into the VA center mm. and saying, I want these therapies. And people walk in and seeing see their, their, their primary care physician or their nurse and saying, I want this stuff. And uh, so it has to be both top-down and also has to be bottom-up.
2: Absolutely true. So it sounds like we need a movement.
3: We need a big social movement to treat our bodies and love our bodies and give them the same degree of evidence-based care that we demand from our auto manufacturers and our cell phone manufacturers. So, yeah, it has to be, become a b- b- big movement. It has to be, be, be a change in consciousness. You know, people say, do you yeah. think the drug companies are conspiring to suppress those therapies? And I, I, I really don't, don't believe they are. Uh, no one's conspiring against anybody and if, if they are, it isn't very effective. What we're doing is we conspire against ourselves, Cheryl, by our consciousness. When we're stuck mm-hmm. in the vision of who we can be, like in Mind to Matter, I talk about people who, uh, like we, we have a mutual friend and um, she's coming up or the book about this, so it's no big, 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 um, big secret. Beth, uh, she was diagnosed with yeah. cancer, with breast cancer last year in June. Uh, she used energy methods, and by September, she was cancer free. I mean, just three months later, uh, there are so many stories like that. I tell many of them in, in Mind to Matter. I tell stories about a guy called Jose. He was on a, a four day meditation retreat where I was one of the neuroscientists who was studying his brainwaves, and we saw huge shifts in his brain waves. Uh, He had had a a, a brain tumor which was being monitored by his physicians. Uh, He flew back from the meditation retreat after four days via the hospital, got a second MRI. No brain tumor. You know, it's extraordinary what we can do with our intentions, with our minds, and so people live in these very small little sets of possibility, but in reality, when it comes to money and health and career and work and of mission and spiritual practice, all of us can have a far bigger reality than the one we usually limit ourselves to.
2: So, Dawson, explain to us the difference between positive thinking and the biology of intention. Um, because, you know, a lot of people know how to get up in the morning and say their affirmations and. Um, try to be happy and think happy thoughts. And that, and that doesn't necessarily translate into um, healing or, you know, a better experience of the world. Or I mean, how is this different?
3: In Chapter 5 of Mind to Matter, my new book, I, the chapter is called The Power of Coherent Mind. And so, Cheryl, what distinguishes Master Manifestors People who can manifest stuff, like well, you all know them. We know all, all know people who can manifest health effortlessly, or money effortlessly, or love effortlessly. Um, and what distinguishes those people from those who can't? And so, I took to take a deep dive into that topic in that chapter five of my new book, Mind the Matter: The Power of Coherent Mind. And the difference is that the people who can manifest things are mentally, spiritually emotionally physically they are coherent when you hook them up to an eeg and i have pictures of eegs of people with coherent brain waves and non coherent brain waves the coherent brain wave people they're all those all of those brain wave frequencies are all marching in tune and they're doing that across multiple brain regions people who are not coherent are not doing that and so we find that people who are coherent are effective in their intentions. People who are not coherent aren't. The example I use in Mind to Matter is, uh, is light. And if I have an incandescent bulb, 60-watt bulb, and the, this non-coherent light is being scattered in all directions by the light bulb, that light will illuminate my room. I can see things you know, 10 feet away with the help of that 60-watt bulb with incoherent light. But if I put that light, all those light waves, that 60 watts in coherence, that's a laser. That laser can cut through a steel plate. And same thing with our minds. We have to train our minds, and we can train them. People totally, totally untrained people. I talk about cancer healing in Chapter 1 of the book, how taking completely naive graduate students, showing them how to use energy healing methods, and then they're able to use those. And in these studies with, with mice, where one group of mice has cancer, and they're divided into two, two groups. One experimental group gets healing, the other does not. The groups that get healing from those students who know nothing, don't believe in it even, but they've been trained, they are trained in mental coherence. Those mice then recover from cancer. So um, it's the trick, the secret to it is mental coherence emotional, spiritual coherence, we then have that same power of our minds that the laser has.
2: So how long does it take someone to get to that state of coherence in general?
3: Well, I, when I do meditation retreats, like I had a group of people in Hawaii in January, um, the first day they're there, it takes a long time. It takes them about four minutes to get them all into coherence. But usually by day two, it's about ninety seconds or so. So not not very long once you're trained to do this. And so I, I, in the book, I give you all the, all the all the methods to use to train your mind to do this. But, but you know, under under five minutes usually to enter that state. Now there are very particular things you have to do. It's not just like you can want to do this and you can do it. You have to. I'm a big believer in science and and what's called evidence based. Methods and so some things are evidence-based; they work. Um, a lot of stuff that you hear, a lot of advice you get about meditation, about various healing methods, it just doesn't work. The evidence is, is not there. And so, in the book, I'm focused. I'm focused in a really uh, consistent way on what the evidence shows is is true. So I, I love science, and I love being able to go in and uh, and look at the research, and then say to people, this works, and here's the study that shows that it works. And so um, you want to use methods that are evidence-based, not that people just think are a good idea. You need, need, need research to back up everything you say.
2: And you have been just amazingly successful at bringing together scientists and researchers and traditional Thinkers um, and helping them understand and collaborate in creating these, the, the evidence for these these types of healing modalities and I, I'm fascinated that you know when you did your doctorate in integrative healthcare care. You did that under the mentorship of Norman Shealy, who was a neurosurgeon, and who found the American Holistic Medical Association. So, What was it like to work with Dr. Shealy?
3: Norm Shealy is a healing genius, and he knows more about the history of energy and healing than anyone else I know. He's a walking encyclopedia of this, and uh, it was fascinating to work with him well I, I, I co-authored a book with him called Soul Medicine and um, just being with this this healing genius was, was powerful and what I've uh, been so lucky in being mentored by people like Norm and others. And so you sit with them. You, know, you, you talk to a Gene Houston or you talk to a Joe Dispenza or yeah. you talk to a Donna Eden. And then not only Bruce Lipton, another person I've I worked closely, closely with in the past. And so uh, one of the wonderful things about mentorship is that you don't just get the information, you get the energy. And there's an energy mm-hmm. state that some of these people are in, like some of the Chi Masters, for example, those guys that can do extraordinary things with, with, with matter, um, you sit with them and you really feel the energy. And so I wanted people in my books not just to be getting information, but to really be having an experience of what this feels like. When you've had the experience, when you've anchored that in your experience, when you know what it feels like, one of the cool things is that we know from research that there's a certain like recipe of neurotransmitters, hormones, enzymes, and brainwaves. And they talk a lot about what your personal recipe is. And most people, again, have a pretty... Uh, jumbled recipe, that when you train yourself into coherence then you, for example, have a ratio of two important neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine. When you get your balance between those two right and you have a certain ratio of serotonin to dopamine, then your brain works a certain way and you know how it works, how it's meant to work. You know what the target is you're looking for in meditation and you can go into that state very quickly. Also brain waves. We have their ratios between the six major brain waves. We can measure those and then we can guide people just like knowing exactly what the street signs are to guide you to a destination. So, uh, all this research now is giving us a picture of this. So, like, for example, Richard Davidson did the research with Tibetan monks in the late 1990s, early 2000s, and he found that the brains of these monks who were meditating for a long time work in a certain way. They have all the parts of the brain to do with happiness. They're turned on, and they know what their signature, what their recipe is like. Now, with that recipe in hand, we can go and take people who are totally untrained and have them in that state in four minutes. So those, those monks, their average time spent meditating was four hours a day for 31 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> don't, don't have that kind of time, you know. But now we know what the recipe is. We can say, okay, you don't have to fool around. You don't have to learn this by trial and error over decades. Just do this, do this, do this, we give people like a list of like 10 things to do, and boom, they're in that same state of mental and spiritual coherence. So it's, you know, we're learning these techniques that are now being used by Nike, their, their innovation team uses these methods. Uh, many championship athletes at the Olympics, people were using these methods. Uh, the Navy SEALs are training Navy SEALs to enter these coherent states. They, the, the name they use in the SEAL training uh, program is called ecstasy. They say they enter the state of ecstasy and then when, when they're in that flow state, they're able to do extraordinary things, not just as individuals, but they come together and they synchronize as one mind, as a team, and uh, then as a team, they are functioning as a unit and can do even more extraordinary things. So we're showing people what what these frequencies are, what these recipes are, and how you can induce them yourself at will.
2: Well, we're going to learn more about this when we come right back with
1: Dawson Church.
0: We appreciate you joining our Leading Conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Dawson Church. So Dawson, we've been talking about some... Absolutely phenomenal research and evidence-based research, by the way, that has helped people to change their lives. And you've been talking about coherence, the, um, the aligning of the spirit and the mind and the emotion. So let, let's talk a bit about how actually this happens. Because, you know, you said that there's about 10 steps to making this happen. And I've also read that this actually connects to our genes, right? It connects to the expression of our genes. So tell us how you go through that process and it ends up connected to your genes.
3: Yeah, and so um, if you look at, the brainwave maps I have in the book, My Matter, and compare the incoherent brainwaves with the coherent brain waves, it looks like the laser versus the scattered incandescent light. The people with with noncoherent brain waves, their brain waves are all over the place. The people are coherent are able to focus. And so uh, we can train people in doing that. And and again, it's just a series of steps you take. Essentially what you're doing is you're mimicking the physiology of a master meditator. And in the book, I really focus on physiology, the body, over and over and over again. Uh, I'm not a a person who... um, believes in ungrounded mental experience. And I feel as though you have to ground everything in, in the body. So you can't just explain to people how to do something and then hope that right. oh, they can have that thought. They need to actually experience in their body what that feels like. So when you train someone in this, when, you, when they learn these meditation methods, and we use acupressure, and we use a number of, number of other, uh, another, there are probably, probably 30 methods that I, I describe in the book, When you do this, then you start to feel a certain way, and that way of feeling is really good. Once you feel, again, that serotonin-dopamine balance, again, I also use hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, and then their counterpart is DHEA. So when you get that ratio right of all those hormones, you feel fantastic. Now, you have a physical feeling target, for where you want to be. So when you're standing up there on stage and having to deliver that speech, and you, you may have felt nervous about it before, you now know how to evoke that ratio of brainwaves and neurotransmitters. Or when you're um, doing that, that high-performance sport, you know how to move yourself into that space. When you want to write something and you want to move it to that space. Um, another dealing with conflict. Uh, recently, we had somebody in one of our programs, and... Uh, there were just real problems with this, this individual, and uh, we teach a bunch of trainings and certifications. And so there were people in, on my team who were very upset with this, this individual and uh, wanted to take a kind of strong action to, you know, to maybe, maybe remove her from the program, and I just meditated mm. on it. And then I wrote this incredibly loving email. <laughs> and uh-huh. it, I, it, it to a whole level of problem-solving. Napoleon Hill talks about this in um, his book, Think and Grow Rich. He says you
2: to mm-hmm. solve
3: a problem, you can't solve it at the level of consciousness at which you created it. So you have to move to a new level of consciousness. And so we want you to have, be on that level of consciousness, but also know physio- physiologically what that feels like. So you'll know... When you have that ratio, when when you're in the lab hooked up, we can tell when you've got that that brainwave ratio, that that hormone and neurotransmitter ratio, but when you have experienced that a few times, you then know subjectively, based on how you feel, you feel just wonderful. And so you, you align yourself that way, then you see the possibilities and you write the elevated email that lifts the whole conversation to a new level. Or you have the talk, or you deal with your teenage daughter, or your teenage son, or your Infant, or your parent with, with, with dementia, or your, your spouse, or your teammate your, you, 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 you have problems with. You deal with those people in a whole different way when you have those physiological targets and you, you move into that feel good state, and that's the transcendent, coherent perspective from which you then deal with those, those things. And that, Cheryl, that just transforms your life. You know, mind to matter. You, mm-hmm. When you're in that state of mind, then all the material circumstances around you are far easier. I talk about the whole phenomenon in the book of emergence, which is the emergence spontaneously of order out of complex systems like flocks of birds and schools of fish. And we are meant to live with that same sense of flow being one with the universe. And so when you do that, then, again, you have these coherent brainwaves, you have these balanced hormones, you have these neurotransmitters. You have the, the feeling, the physical experience of bliss, and that's the place in which you live your life.
2: Mm. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is that I don't have to have a specific situation, which I then take myself and say, okay, I need to do this differently. I need to get into this state, etc." But I can actually train myself to live in this state. Is that right?
3: do you train yourself to live in that state, you know when you're disrupted, where to go back to. And oh. so, what I do in the morning is I meditate every morning, because I uh, I, I want people to feel good, and I, I want to feel good in, in the morning. So I wake up and I induce that that flow state. But then, what happens when 10:30 a.m. I have a phone call or an email? and there's a problem I have to solve, or something doesn't happen right, or the previous interview I was doing, the equipment failed.
2: Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Having
3: a a meltdown there, and, you know, uh, the difference between having a meltdown and just Breathing and letting it be okay. Oh, another, another show it was so funny. I, I never have my cell phone on, but I turned my cell phone on for some reason to get a call from somebody uh, the day the day before. So it was in the middle of a show, my cell phone rang, and so uh, you know, again, some people would be totally flustered by by, by these things. I I just made a joke about how the telemarketers had found my, my, my phone number and they were calling me in the middle of a show. So you, know, so you, 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 you have things that really knock you, that throw you off your game. Mm-hmm. Life just happens. You make get a parking ticket or you know, who, who knows. Um, but you then are handling them from this perspective of well-being. And so when things happen, to I, I teach two big methods in, in my books. One is meditation, which I think is essential, that, that everyone do. I mean, it just has so many effects on your health and well-being. But the second one is EFT, tapping, or emotional freedom techniques, because that's what can get you back on track when life throws you a curveball. So yeah, you need to know those two things, and then you can generally respond well to any situation.
2: Yeah, EFT, emotional freedom technique, is um, it's, it's known and it's used in a very positive way, and yet it's... It isn't um, prevalent in our world. I'm wondering, um, you know, if if soldiers, while they are on the front, um, could use this if they would come out of war with less PSD. Do you think that's true?
3: They would, and in fact, there was a psychologist called Connie Handelman who was deployed in Afghanistan and treated over 500 soldiers at a forward operating base in the thick of the fighting in Kandahar province, and so, and she writes about this in a, in a new book she has coming out in a couple of months. And um, yeah, it's it's it, what what the Navy, Navy SEALs are finding is that they have their, their the the the, the elite soldiers go into the state which they call exorcis before they go, for example, on a high intensity mission like a hostage rescue mission, and then they come back, and then when they're debriefing, they go back into ecstasy. they re they reinduce. These brainwave and hormone states, and then if they're able to do that, they have a much lower risk for getting PTSD. So absolutely, it would help mm. help people to know that. I mean, I think also about school, Cheryl. You know, we, yes. you know not not just these these terrible things like school shootings, but um, what about you know bullying and peer pressure yes. and test anxiety and sports performance anxiety and, and social. Phobia and all these things. Now, kids, I mean, it's so, so distressing. I, I, I have young people in my... I, I had a 23-year-old woman in my last workshop, and she said, I almost didn't come to the workshop today because I put on the dress I planned to wear, and I was too fat to fit into it. So this overwhelming shame at 23 years old. So we, mm. we were doing tapping there. We tapped on that, that, those beliefs, and she just completely moved through... All of her shame mm-hmm. and blame and guilt. And eventually she was standing up and she was just yelling to the whole audience, I am strong. I am me. <laughs> I am great. You know, so she moved through all of that stuff. And yeah. I just so lost young people and people who are suffering. They think that's th- their lives, and it's not. People, we live, Cheryl, in such little tiny fractions of who we could be. And so the, yeah. this, this new book, Might Matter, is an argument for ditching, abandoning those old views of who you are and what you think you're going to accomplish. You can accomplish and you can be far, 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 you can be far happier, you can have far more more abundance, you can have far deeper spiritual experiences, you can have much richer relationships, much more love, much more in every realm of life than what most people settle for.
2: You know, it makes me think about um, how... I have many clients who had parents who were um, in horrific situations, whether it was the Holocaust or Japanese internment camps, or I mean, there were so many situations. And these children of those people yeah. seem to have taken that on, right? Even though they didn't have the experience. And it seems to be more than, well, your parents told you about it, and now you're scared out of your mind. It's not that. Talk to us about that.
3: You know, the, my, my foundation of research is in epigenetics, which is how gene expression is altered by factors from outside the gene, outside the cell, outside the body sometimes. And um, one of the most stunning research findings of the last decade in epigenetics is looking at the Gene expression profile changes of not Holocaust survivors, the children of Holocaust survivors. So we know that having a terrible trauma, like going through the Holocaust, produces changes, epigenetic changes. It's an epigenetic um, stimulus, stimulus which produces changes in gene expression, but. What is remarkable is looking at the children and even grandchildren of Holocaust survivors show some of those same epigenetic tags. They never went through the Holocaust. One study looked at the the granddaughters of depressed women, and they found that epigenetically that these granddaughters had the same tags on their genome that the grandmothers has, so we're literally passing. You know, the Bible says something about passing the, the sins of the father shall be visited unto the son, unto the seventh generation. It's been a long time since my, my high school, since my my uh, seven year old catechism class, so, something, something like that. And so we're now finding right. in, in science that um, if you if you don't heal it, if you don't heal that 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 mental or emotional wound, you then can well be passing it on to not only your, your children, but your children's children.
2: So you don't have to know what it was, right? You don't have to identify. Um, someone doesn't have to know that there was depression, right? Um, do you have to identify what the marker is in order to make the change specifically?
3: That is a very interesting question. And um, what research shows is that uh, knowing it is really useful and it's much easier to treat people and for them to heal if they do face it and that, that's a that's a, a phenomenon in psychology called exposure you have to remember the bad stuff mm-hmm. for it, it to heal now there are some techniques in energy healing uh that are able to heal things like for example i, I worked with one, one therapist and uh she had no childhood memories at all, before the age of twelve—not even one, not a single childhood memory—and she just had significant trauma, and, and it makes sense for kids when they're when they're traumatized to dissociate. And so, what do you do in that, in that case? But usually, uh, we, we wound up finding some back doors into her psyche, and it was successful. But usually, Cheryl, it, you have to have to actually remember the bad things. So again, there are energy, te- there are advanced energy techniques that you can work with people who don't remember that uh, memory usually is the starting point of successful treatment.
2: Mm, Interesting. So um, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, Dawson, I want you to explain to us um, just how we can use this to affect a worldwide consciousness. We'll be right back.
0: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're having a fascinating conversation today with Dawson Church, the award-winning author of The Genie in Your Genes and newest book, Mind to Matter, The Astonishing Science of How Your Brain Creates Material Reality. Dawson, so tell us about how this whole process, um, how we can utilize these techniques and these beliefs of helping our mind to shift our bodies and our genes and our state of our mental states, how we can apply this in a global perspective and affect the consciousness of the world.
3: Well, the amazing fact is that we are affecting people around us every moment by how we feel and how we think. Uh, There's a phenomenon I talk about a lot in the book called emotional contagion. And the concept is that emotions are as contagious as the flu. So you
2: can catch mm-hmm. people
3: around you and both positive and negative uh, emotions are contagious. And so um, the as you solve your own problems, as you heal your own psyche, heal your own body, then you're producing positive emotional contagion in everyone around you. Not only that, these long-standing epidemiological studies show that as you affect the person next to you who is then happier because you're happier and less stressed, they affect the person next to them. So you're changing people literally Mm. three levels of connection outside of yourself when you heal. And so what I predict is happening now is that evolution itself is shifting because evolution has been shifting and changing species for three and a half billion years by means of random mutation and natural selection. And so that's just an accidental process a gene mutation that throws up something like an opposable thumb or an upright gait and suddenly there's a game-changing gene change and that gets passed yeah. along and that's why evolution has, has gone along for literally billions of years. What we're seeing now is that people are doing things like meditation, like EFT tapping, that are shifting their stress levels, that are literally turning off the genes that code for inflammation. In one study of EFT, 72 genes were regulated by one hour of tapping. I mean, massive effects on the genome. Now, gene expression isn't happening and changing just by random mutation. Gene expression is changing because of consciousness. So as we shift, as we become infectious emotional agents of happiness and joy and creativity around us, then we're shifting the gene expression of of huge numbers of people. And so I believe we're in the middle of this massive social and global change, and it may not be happening in every section of society equally but i see all kinds of ways in which consciousness is producing huge changes in the the social genome and i believe that we're on the verge of a massive leap in technology in medicine in law in education in Every field of human endeavor as we are no longer leading stress lives. As we learn to calm ourselves, as we learn to love ourselves, be kind to ourselves, release that stress, we're not just affecting ourselves, we're affecting the people around us. Uh, we're creating a different, different world for our children. And so, one of the, <laughs> the images I, I talk about sometimes is uh, I, I imagine myself as a, a great great grandfather, so sitting in the corner, maybe doing some research projects still. And my great-great-grandchildren coming up to me and saying, you know, uh, Granddaddy, we, we're we doing a project for school, and uh, it's, on this, it's, on, it's, on, it's on diseases that have disappeared, extinct diseases. And we heard that you used to do research on this thing called PTSD. What is that, Grandpa? <laughs> you know, don't, don't it is. I, I imagine a world where people just don't suffer that way anymore. So that, that's really you know, what, what I see, where I see all this taking us as a, as a globe, as a society, long-term in human history.
2: So what you're saying is it begins with me. I have to focus no. on myself first and then there is... Um, then, then society has a fighting chance and then consciousness has a fighting chance, right? And... So the other thing I'm hearing is that with all of the what I would term chaos that is occurring in the world um, in ways that many of us could never have imagined, um, we maybe shouldn't get so caught up in it.
3: Right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't get paid, don't pay any, you know, just don't think about it, don't buy into that reality, just, uh, like, we, uh, my wife and I hardly ever watch the news, we hardly ever, yeah. you know, we I mean, we do watch enough news to know what's going on in the world, but yeah. um, we just relentlessly fill our mind with optimistic and positive and uplifting inputs, because we know that that will be our output. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there are plenty of depressing and negative things to pay attention to, but if you start to get attuned to all of the positive stuff going on, you'll find there's massive amounts of it happening, and it's like a signal. It's like you tune your radio dial mm. into a certain frequency, and if you're on 104.5, FM, and that's the joy and optimism station, you start to find there are millions of people sharing that experience with you, yeah. and you just aren't tuned in to all the bad stuff, so we have that option.
2: Well, and so, speaking of that, um, you had a quite, uh, uh, what some people would describe as traumatic experience, certainly um, an experience that transformed um, some of where you lived and how you lived it um, recently. Um, why don't you talk about that?
3: Well, we, uh, my wife and I, were uh, caught up when we woke up one night at at twelve forty five after midnight. And we saw a glow on the horizon, and when we walked outside, there was a fire, wildfire, racing down the hillside toward our home. We literally had time just to grab our car keys, run to the car, and drive out through a firestorm. And uh, we later discovered we couldn't get it in there for for a few weeks afterwards. But uh, the the firefighter said our, our house had been destroyed in a matter of a few minutes. And our office, we had a big property with a building that housed our office and our non-profit as well. So everything was just, just consumed, and we did had have to sort of, you know, deal with the aftermath of that. And uh, it, it was definitely a traumatic event by any normal stretch of the imagination. And yet, we, we, using these tools of tapping, meditation, and the other things I've described, we shifted really quickly. Now, really quickly wasn't minutes; it was it was days. It didn't didn't. It was not like yeah. we had yeah. meditated and we snapped out of it out of it. But um, it was powerful to use these tools on our own experience and find how quickly things shifted. And and then you know, there's a lot in the book about synchronicity, Cheryl. And um, mm. I show in the book how how much science there is behind this because like we're living in a beautiful house right now, and. I just phoned a friend of mine who I knew lived in the area we wanted to live in, and I, 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 had, a, I had a brief chat with her, and she said, Well, you know, the funny thing is, I've been thinking about moving, and if your insurance company will rent my house for you to live in, that will give me the money to rent a house where I really want to be, which is about two hours away from here, where I have a, a long-term consulting job, which I'm commuting to right now. And so with one phone call, suddenly we had a home in the exact area we wanted to live in at a time when there were 5,100 people looking for homes. Suddenly we oh. had one. <laughs> so synchronously, you know, just are, you're know, in the state of flow when you're in that space, and things just shift to you in a much easier way. So, yeah, it, it works out not just internally, mentally, but externally, yeah. materially, And that's why why the book's title is Minds Matter the Astonishing Science of how our brains literally create material reality. We're attuned to the universal flow of events and movement of life. And so things work out in our lives very much more synchronously and more easily than if we're putting our best effort into making them work.
2: You know, what I love about you, Dawson, is you have such a way of taking all of this seemingly daunting scientific research and making it so approachable and understandable for people. And I know people are going to want to know more, so how can they do that?
3: Go to the book's website, which is mindtomatter.club. So it's not .com or .org, it's .club, .club, mindtomatter.club. Go to mindtomatter.club and... You'll see a link to the book there. you can also download and read the first couple of chapters for free, and then there's also a wonderful community forming around the book on Facebook, and people are posting there. The, the, the Amazon reviews show have been extraordinary. I, I just can't believe yeah. we, reading them. Mm-hmm. The book's only been out for a week, and the uh, the reviews are just uh, amazing. So um, go to mindmeta.club, join the Facebook community. Uh, Grab a copy of the book. Grab a copy of the first couple of chapters of the book, and um, and just apply it to areas of your life that aren't shifting. And that may be money, maybe health, maybe relationships. But try these things, try these methods, because they're evidence based. They're based in solid science. And then you just acquire this state of flow, and you approach the challenges of life from that perspective. And suddenly, the matter all around of you, around of you, starts to change. Hmm.
2: Dawson Church, you are changing the world, and we love you for it. Thank you for being here today.
3: Oh, it's a real pleasure. Bless you, and thanks for having me.
2: Remember, everyone, think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.